the aim of this podcast was to have two outspoken people on LinkedIn on the pandemic talk across the pond. Sir Thomas is based in Ohio and he has an integration and readiness analyst for the Ohio National Guard. I, of course, am a developer entrepreneur based in Europe. And so we have both have seen the, you know, how the COVID situation has played out in both continents. In this podcast, we covered basically the history of COVID, the lockdowns of vaccines and vaccine passports. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Here we go. Hello, Sir Thomas. This is the man on LinkedIn that's basically the same as me, except times 10 with the amount of amazing content he's coming out with. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's great to finally do this. We've had quite a lot of demand for our little talk together. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've had a a nudge here and there saying, hey, we we should probably get together. So I'm, I'm glad we're able to do this. How are you finding podcasting? You've got into it quite recently. I've seen. Um, yeah, it's it's um, it's a little it's a little different. Um, it's something I had to do a little bit of research into in the past. I did a lot of um, YouTube videos. Um, I also use Twitter and some some other uh, um, some other platforms. Um, unfortunately, in 2020, of course, there was this this boom in censorship. Um, so I took quite a few hits on a lot of platforms and then someone nudged me and said, Hey, um, have you thought about starting a podcast? And then, uh, one of my friends talked to me about the anchor app and said, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll give it a try. And it just sort of took off from there. Mm-hmm. So we've been sort of recommended to talk on, on, we've got different perspectives. You've got the U S perspective. I've got the European and British perspective. So I'm thinking maybe we could go back to just before the pandemic happened and sort of we can sort of walk through each other's history and thought process up until now, probably starting around, I don't know, January the of 2000. And I'm getting lost of the dates, man. Was it 2001 or 2020? January. Yeah. When we first heard about it from, from China. Okay. Well, so I... Now, January 2020, um, it was there was some loose uh, just just talk about something emerging, um, but I, I didn't think anything of it. I was actually traveling internationally. I uh, got actually got married in uh, January 2020. Congratulations! And, thank you. And uh, we were on our honeymoon. We were doing some island hopping in, in the Philippines, and and uh, somebody just said, "Hey, do you hear about what's going on?" about some virus or something. And I just said, oh, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I'm sure it's just the media will blow it up. I'm not, I'm not all that concerned about it. Um, so we, we finished our honeymoon and I was flying back uh, to the States for work. And uh, I was at which airport I was, I was flying through Hong Kong. And uh, that's where I saw just so many people wearing, wearing masks, that sort of thing. Um, I went to board a flight and it was recommended at that time. Hey, you know, maybe you should, wear a mask. And I just happened to have one in my suitcase. So I just put it on. It, it was black. So I guess it was a little off-putting for some people on the plane. They thought I was a, a ninja or something. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but, but I, I still kept telling my wife, like, just, oh, this is nothing. Just, you know, it'll, uh, whatever this is, just a bunch of nonsense. You know, I'll be back. You know, we'll fly back over in a couple of months. And things just sort of exploded from there. <laughs> so that, that's the take from, uh, I guess, my angle, traveling internationally and coming back to the U.S. And then things just sort of exploded. Yeah, I was in London around January 
Um, man, I need to shave. Goodness, I've just, just seen how, how long this beard is getting. Just, <laughs> it's lack of luck of seeing clients face to face. But anyway, yeah, I was I was in London working in the big office in January doing my software development, and um, we were just we just saw some posts on uh, this sort of new virus, and and I just thought it was going to be like another SARS or HN one, whatever it's called, kind of deal. And then because I'm in the stock market. Um, I'm a popular investor in eToro. I started to get worried in, uh, that's the timer for our interview. <laughs> I started to look at the stock market and uh, I just saw the prices starting to fall and lots of lots of my FTSE stocks and, and all these kind of things. Um, so it was a bit, you know, obviously I'm I'm concerned about this, this finances, um, but I didn't think it was, I think it was, uh, I didn't think it was going to spread, start spreading over here and probably wasn't until around February or March before I started getting worried about, you know, is the variant, is the, the virus going to land in the UK and is it, is it going to be as bad as they're saying? Yeah, yeah, it, it was something that felt um, surreal. And considering, uh, like you mentioned, pre-COVID, pre-just uh, just this uh, COVIDian <laughs> hysteria, uh, we just were living our lives and we were traveling, we were working and we had our routines. And this thing just, uh, it just, came out of nowhere. Um, and, and when I say that, I'm, I'm not just talking about the, the virus itself, but our, uh, our individual government response to it, which had a, a great impact on all of us as well. Yeah, so around March, uh, when the stock market was pretty much bottoming, our office in London was getting, people were starting to get worried. I was going on the tube, um, getting worried about you know, my, own, my own health because it was, was completely unknown at this time, March 2020. And um, I can remember the we were getting obsessed with hand sanitizers in the office. Um, we couldn't go to the cafe, which is a bit of a drag because I used to really enjoy meeting with the colleagues, eating. So we had basically had that um, starting to be social distanced. So we basically started to stop eating with each other. Uh, and then around... I think it was early April, we basically got told to, to work from home. And um, at first it was great. Like, I just don't have, to, don't have to commute in the morning, you know, like I don't spend about an hour getting to work. Um, but I started to feel after about a month of that, the productivity wasn't quite there. It was just, it was just hard to something's getting motivated to 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 work in the same way plus a lot of the stuff that we were doing we needed physical devices for testing so that was a bit of an inconvenience but we just accepted it you know it's the pan it's a pandemic we need to be careful it's all a bit of an unknown right now um, it's, it's getting hard to try to remember what it was actually like and then after two months of sort of not being able to go in the office i basically got rid of the place in london because there was no end in sight and why am i paying rent in two places so basically moved all my stuff up to Scotland and um, was I'm back and forth and still traveling between, you know, the UK and, and Austria. Um, and at that time, it still felt normal. This is like resp responsibility. This is the government doing its job, you know. Uh, same here. And in, in our office, we follow that same path where um, it was just loose discussions in March. Then there was some some changes, small changes in policy and, and just the way we do things within the office. We started rotating uh, as far as uh, who's in the office, who's who's teleworking from home, that sort of thing. 
And uh, April, it was just, you know, hey, we, we want just about everyone out of the building, you know, working from home, only come in if you, you absolutely have to, which um, at first I, I hated it because I liked it. As you said, I, I liked interacting with my, my colleagues and, you know, we'd have lunch and we'd have uh, face-to-face meetings, things like that. A lot of things I, I took for uh, granted, but um, uh, but after a while, it just became just the the new the new norm or, or the abnorm, and uh, I found that I can be incredibly productive at home as long as I have a great internet connection and uh, some devices to work from. <laughs> First of August, and then basically everything started to lock down again because yeah. the, there was another spike. You know, September, August. And um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was like. I guess I, I was kind of accepting it as well because, you know, the, we, we thought that the virus was affected by the sunlight and, you know, there was going to, you know, they were expecting a flu season spike. So for me, I mean, going into, you know, October, November, December and the new lockdown, I wasn't even that bothered back then, to be honest. Don't know about you. Yeah. I would say um, around around June, July, as we rolled into the summer, um, I, I guess I just started to become a bit uh, de- desensitized uh, just with the, the, the market push, so the marketing campaign that happened in this country. Um, and I felt as though it, it was starting to become just this fear narrative and it became everything, everything was COVID, fear, fear, fear. Um, so I just went back to running regularly outside interacting with with family members that sort of thing but at the same time trying to be respectful of the concerns that other people have so if you know like my mother had some concerns um in the beginning so i said hey i get it you know whenever there is a vaccine or, or a shot or whatever if you choose to to get it of course that's your choice um whatever you feel is in your best interest so i'll keep some distance and that sort of thing so so yeah the vaccine started to come out around i think was it January in the UK in America? Can't remember now. Yeah, the the big push was, um, I believe it was December in, in this country. It was like a it was a slow roll uh, process, but um, yeah, it was. I think it was early December, and then it just kind of picked up speed after that. Mm. I think around January is when I started to start getting annoyed because I read some reports on people that had done research on high chlorine or something there's one of there's one of these drugs that supposed to help people and then i read about how it was sort of denied and then there was some testimonies by doctors that were trying to give this to their patients and helping them survive and they were being in in trouble and i was like that's not right that that needs to be there needs to be that needs to be exposed and we need to get we need to hear from the government why that was happening Uh, and and it's these things that are not being answered by these public officials we're not getting straight answers. I was totally fine one until we stopped getting straight answers on things that didn't make any sense. That's when I started to get start getting worried. Yeah, and I believe you're you're thinking of um, hydrochloroquine. Hydrochloroquine. If I can I can get that all out. The eight drug. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was um, it was put out there and, and it was advertised as as a great alternative. Um, but then, of course, you have uh, big pharma and, and well, and definitely in this country um, that I mean, it was being attacked at all sides. It was being you know demonized. It causes all these heart heart issues, all this stuff. 
Um, and then I wonder, like, what, why is it that we're, we're not exploring this? It's something that's been out there a while. There's, there's a lot of data behind it, that, you, know, it you know, the science, and it's, it's all right there. You know, why are they pushing so hard against this? And when I saw that, um, that emergency of use issued by the FDA, then I just started to wonder, okay, well, what, what's the criteria for getting that? And one angle to that in order to, to get that uh, emergency of use authorization um, you have to rule out everything else in order for in order for the pharmaceutical companies to get that approval. In order for Pfizer, Moderna, and, and Johnson Johnson to get those approvals, everything else has to be ruled as dangerous or, or whatever. And another angle, of course, is we have to be in a state of emergency. You know, so Horrible, once man. those were all in place, then you know, there you go. Yeah, I just I just feel like <clears throat> these power hungry people take us as stupid sheep. I just feel like I'm look, being looked down on all the time for as being ignorant. I I, I agree, and it's um, it's insulting. Uh, just the fact that you know, it's hard to even discuss some of these things, uh, some of these topics in, in the public setting because everything is political. Everything is just the, uh, very very emotional. People get emotionally activated and everything. Um, but but when you point certain things out, like okay. The money, you know, why can't we talk about the money? Why can't we talk about, you know, this this vaccine that, that Pfizer is pushing? It's gonna it's gonna net them over ten billion dollars in, in revenue. J- just that product, by, by itself, and we can't even talk about that or the fact that you know money is is driving this thing. You know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling ashamed for holding pharmacy <clears throat> stocks that I invested in 2018, but. I've actually lost money on it, but I'm looking to dump them. I've already dumped my AstraZeneca because I think um, people are trying to get away from these patents not being exposed, not being given away. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to February 2000 and, um, <clears throat> 2001, the vaccines are coming out. And personally, me, I'm not, I'm not taking the vaccine, but I didn't stop my family in Scotland taking the vaccine. Um, well, I just didn't say you shouldn't take it. You shouldn't take it. You know, if they want to take the vaccine, they can take it. But uh, I think that people should be given the choice whether or not they want it or not. I know, and I'm I've, I'm a trained scientist. I looked at the uh, some of the the papers, and I decided that for me, it's not it's not well tested enough. Yeah. There's skipped stage four clinical trials, um, and uh, for me, I just don't understand these mandates and why these. By, and, and for example, the European Union Commission are always on LinkedIn using hashtag safe vaccines, right? But 2019, there was a, a WHO massive virus safety virus safety uh, conference in uh, New York, I believe. And there was, there's plenty of sound bites on that video that's just about 20 hours of video. And they're basically admitting that these vaccines are, vaccines are not a safe thing. They have adjuvants, which have side effects. So... The, the, the fact that the European Commission can get away by going on LinkedIn and blasting, you know, with a trumpet at 100 decibels, hashtag safe vaccines on every second post, for me, is, for me, is just insulting and it just makes me angry and less trusting. And so basically what's happening is these institutions have turned somebody who basically was me on the fence very, very sceptical now. Well, and it's just your own intuition you know, and your, your own curiosity that it's causing you to, uh, to, to make that, to make that jump and, and to do that digging. And, and it makes you even more suspicious when there's uh, someone trying to censor your, your speech and, 
and uh, try to try to twist your words or, or pervert exactly what what your vision is. So um, all those things, it, it makes us all even more just suspicious and, and wonder. And it's something I saw in this country with a lot of censorship. And it just made me more curious, like, OK, well, you know, if I can't if I can't talk about the money, why can't I talk about the money? You know, if we can't talk about the science, you know, then that makes me want to dig even more. And another thing that got me with these with these vaccines was just uh, looking at the FDA approval process for vaccines. And uh, on average, it's about eight to 10 years, roughly the approval process for, for vaccine. You know, I, of course I can only speak for this country, um, but the process, it's very, very detailed, uh, very, very methodical. There's a lot of uh, analysis that happens, clinical trials, all that stuff. And the fact that we have all these things that have been around forever that still plague us, and we don't have cures for these or, or vaccines for certain things. Um, but you want me to just line up and, and have you put something in my arm that you just, you know, breakneck speed, you just threw it together in, in a year. And then there's the those legal protections that our governments have given the, these pharmaceutical companies as well. So, you know, if I if I die, if I have all these issues, which some people are already having those issues and, and dying, um, you know, my family can't go after uh, these organizations. You know, there's no retribution. Yeah. And, and we don't deny that the virus doesn't exist. I mean, my granddad died from, from COVID in hospital. He had a fall, he went to hospital and he, he died from COVID, which is just devastating me. But he was, he was 94, you know? Um, and I, I just think the, the cure is much worse than the actual, you know, for the majority of people, the, the actual virus. And so now we are on to, basically the European Union where I'm at, I'm in Austria right now, and our chancellor, um, he's going, jumping ahead of the European Union with the, the green passports. We actually, I went to McDonald's because I, we had, McDonald's was shut for a couple of months. I like to go there and work. And I was kind of looking forward to getting getting out and, and working in, in the McDonald's with, a, you know, some, some un, unhealthy food. But I basically went and paid for the food there. Uh, and uh, the lady at the counter says, oh, um, do you have your, your test results or something like that? And uh, I'm like, what, what, test results? And so basically, you know, now we've got this um, this situation where you have to have this ID to actually eat in a restaurant. And that for me just, just absolutely gutted me because basically you, you're going to have to be continually tested, you know, which is, which is just a, you know, or you're going to have to have the vaccine. So a lot of people are going to get tired of having these tests. Um, maybe they're free where you're at. Maybe they're not free where you're at. Um, just to be able to function normally. Otherwise, you'll be basically stuck at home all the time. Unless you want to share your medical data with every public and private business out there, you know. Well, there's definitely a lot of uh, coercion there um, where it's, you know, you, you well, even our president, uh, he, even one of his tweets was, you know, uh, the answer is clear. Either, you know, you, you get vaccinated or you wear a mask until you do. Um, so it's just this. Um, and with those those passports, it's making your life difficult and, and wearing you down to the point where everyone just says, you know what, fine. You know, and they just give up and, just, you know, just give me the shot so I can I can travel. I can spend time with my family because the process is so uh, complicated and the rules keep changing. And uh, even uh, even for me, I was supposed to travel. Um, last week, right now, I'm, I'm supposed to be in Manila right now, um, but I'm not because they made some adjustments. Their their local government added in an extra step 
depending on what country you're from, where, oh, well, you've got a passport, great, but you need to apply for a temporary entry visa and you have to give us all these documents. I did that and it's like, okay, cool. Um, but you know what? You know, we decided last week we want you to also apply for an exemption, uh, a special exemption from our Department of Foreign Affairs. Okay, well, who do I talk to over there? And it, it just spiraled into this whole very long, convoluted process. And I feel like it's going to be that way where you have the, these two groups. You have the, the vaccinated, you have the unvaccinated. And there's going to be, and it, well, there already is, this push to complicate uh, the lives of the unvaccinated to get them on the other side. And you're going to have a lot of people there just, and I, I can't blame them. I mean, to, to just get exhausted and just say, you know what, fine, forget it. Here, give it to me. Yeah. yeah. So if, if this was like the worst it was going to get, like, okay, we have to get tested now and again. And, you know, if that was going to be the worst it's going to be, probably I could put up with it. Maybe I could do an antibody check every six months. Fine. Right. But as the price of Bitcoin keeps going up, there's, it doesn't go flat. It keeps going up. In a sense, the, this uh, curve of infringements doesn't mean that it stops here. And and uh, it's, it's going up so fast, uh, these infringement on our rights, that we don't know what the peak is, right? We're not at an all-time high right now. So this is what's really scary is that we don't know these insider people what their next next level is. You know, they're talking about the Great Reset now. We've got this stuff. You will own nothing and be happy. Um they're talking about the uh, the w, the world world economic forum. We're talking about the uh, the cyber pandemic. Be careful for that. We need to have more more protections around our IT systems. Um, we don't know what the limit is, and people don't seem to think beyond this. Um, I mean, for example, the, the COVID the COVID certificate in the European Union. They're not even saying when it's going to stop or what are the conditions for it to stop. They're just saying this is what it is. And I think that's that's the the grand plan for it to be the the, the new abnormal, the, the new way of life. Um, and you know, I, I wondered this uh, last summer, where when this whole thing you know kicked off in March, there seemed to be a loose plan. You know, at least uh, our individual states, their governors would give these dates. You know, hey, you know, two two weeks to flatten the curve, or you know, one month to stop the spread. That that whole thing. So at least there, it seemed as though there was light at the end of the tunnel. It seemed like there was an actual plan where now it's just wear, wear this mask, take, take this shot, go here, do this, you know, get, get your passport, your vaccine passport. All right. How long are we doing this? You know, well, you know, we're, we're figuring that out. You know, we just don't, we just don't understand what we're dealing with here. And a lot of people have made that statement, which is just bizarre. It's like, how do you not know what we're dealing with at this point? You know, so it's it's just an opportunity to take a lot of ideas and concepts that were on the shelf, dust them off and just throw them at uh, these individual societies. And because everyone's so scared, hey, just give me anything to, to get my life back to normal. I, I, I don't care what I have to do. You know? I don't know, mate. I don't know, man. It's a uh, constant wearing us down of, of just distress of the stuff. Uh, regarding what masks, right? So in Sundays at my church is in a neighborhood where there's quite a lot of uh, Middle Eastern people. And uh, I absolutely love my shawarma kebabs, you know, kif, shish uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, <laughs> we have these FFPA2, whatever it's called, masks that we have to wear here in Austria. And basically, well, there's all these people that are making the kebabs with the knives. <laughs> they have these masks, but they basically sit under the chin, right? So they have you have this piece of cloth that's under their 
basically all of them have beards as well, like, you know, longer than mine's. And, and they're, they're sweating into this thing all day and they're touching this thing here, you know, just because they can't breathe. And then they're making the kebabs, putting, taking the money. And, and, and I'm just like, what is this craziness? Why can't some health official in Austria stand up and say, these people will either die with the mask on or they're, they're going to have lovely pieces of sweat from their you know, masks all day long. Anyone who's working in that condition is doing it. And people are probably not on the high wage, so they don't know how much, how much they can afford these masks. Maybe they're reusing the masks for a week or something like that. You know, and I absolutely love the food. I still go there, you know. Yeah, there's no, there's no rhyme or, there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, I've seen some things. It's hard not to laugh or, you know, I, I, I chuckle a little bit internally. I'll put it that way. Um, I've seen people you know, they're standing outside and they, they got their mask on and they're pulling it down to take a puff of their cigarette. I, you know, I, I, I went to a pizza shop a couple of weeks ago with my daughter and, and people were staring at us while we were in the pizza shop because we didn't have a mask on. And these people had their mask off and they were eating like like five feet away from us. It's like, well, what's the difference? So you wore your mask walking in, you ordered your food, then you took it off to eat. Like, I don't. So COVID understands all that. COVID is just, hey, you're eating. It's a timeout. You do your thing. I'll come back and infect you later. It's just, I, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, I, I think that the mask is almost symbolic of like people being silenced and you, every time you put this thing on, it's an, it's basically you're, you're being beaten down, you know, like 1984, the future is like a fist continually pounding on someone's face. And every time you put this mask on that you don't believe in, that's actually going to help you. You think it's actually damaging you now because you know, you're reusing this mask again and again, and your know, finances are low and uh, but yet you still put it on because everybody else is doing it. So every time you're doing it, basically acquiescence and you're being beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. And it's prolonged after about a year and a half. People are just like, yeah, give me the vaccine, you know. Well, there's been this interesting transition as well, where, you know, last year you had um, mask versus uh, the, the unmasked. You had masked people that, well, not not all, of course, but you had some that were demonizing those not wearing a mask. And I've had people. Like, hey, you're, you know, you're killing grandma and you're doing this and, you're, and you know, you need to wear a mask. And now with with the uh, the vaccines, you had this transition where now you have people because uh, when I'm in a in a uh, public setting or, you know, if I'm in in the office, everyone else, I believe, is, is vaccinated. So they're not wearing a mask. I'm wearing one. Um, so then you have that shift where you have some people looking at those now wearing a mask as being strange or maybe possibly against science or, or something like that. It's because it, it signifies, oh, well, you didn't get the jab yet. So obviously there's something wrong with you. You're clearly a Trump supporting psycho. Or I, I don't know. I don't know. People just run with this kind of stuff. Yeah. What I think people need to do is do some psychological evaluation that once you're vaccinated, because once you're vaccinated, right, you're all in, you've got everything, all the chips are on the table. You can't go back. So it makes sense for you to believe hundred percent of what you've done is right. And that's going to, Anything that challenges that is going to be uncomfortable for you. So basically, you have to look at how you behave to other people now. So when you go into a shop and uh, you see somebody going to try to go in the shop and the guy asks them, or the, you know, do you have your COVID green certificate? And the person says, no, I don't. And they say, no, you can't come into the shop and they have to walk away. Then once you go up to, to get into the shop, you've got your passport and you can go in. You have to look carefully <clears throat> how you feel. Do you feel good that this person can't go and you feel better than them, or do you feel you know worried about other person's human rights and whatever direction you're going 
that that shows how much they've been influenced. And it's going to be very worrying when we see a society that starts to divide and look down on people that have chosen not to get vaccinated. Scary, actually. Oh, yeah. It, it harkens back to um, uh, there was a book I read. They, they thought they were free. Um, the, the author escapes me, but um, uh, this individual talks about his, uh, he called them his 10 Nazi friends. So, you know, this is after World War II. Um, this journalist goes over, stays in, in uh, several cities, talks to individual people, just wanting to understand how did this happen? How did things get this, this carried away or this crazy? And so many of them, their stories were, were fairly simple. It was just, hey, you know, it started with something small. And it didn't really affect my work. I was still able to be with my family. So I just said, fine, you know, and then it just kept progressively getting worse, you know, and then the, the government itself became, of course, more uh, totalitarian and, and more aggressive and deadly in, in this particular case. Um, but each story, it started out the, the same way. I just was living my life. And then the next thing you know, I, I had no choice but to become a Nazi and I had to do this, this, and this. And I figured it would be over soon. So I they just kept going along with it and waiting, waiting and reached a point of no return where they all wished, like, you know, I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have done something or I would have said no or, or something. So there's different dynamics here. When you look at Nazi Germany, somebody in that situation, once you're a citizen there and Hitler's starting to take more and more powers, he has a sort of time lag between how quickly his orders can get rolled out from the radio to the, you know, through to whatever. I guess it can be us almost instantaneous as well back then because they had radios. So, um, so in a sense, the people back then had less of a chance than they do now if something goes wrong because uh, we can also we have the tools to communicate if if there's a, a dictatorship arising we have the internet but also on the other side the, the any malefactors nowadays can also control information also so there's there's a lot of things a lot of variables here that it would take some time to analyze to find out how the dynamics of a dictatorship would arise versus now um I mean, there is some damage. You see the Arab Spring. You've seen how quickly revolutions came up there because of the internet. But um, that was a revolution that occurred in the midst of of nothing, in a sense. So, but here we have the governments moving first to impose more things upon us. So we don't really know what it'd be like for you know all these citizens if we have to stand up and protect ourselves with our technologies. Well, it definitely makes, um, you know, if you go back 50, 60 years, um, cultural changes would take, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And even um, there was a former KGB agent that talked about uh, ideological subversion. Um, I can't remember his last name. Yuri was his first name. Um, but he talked about how you can completely change a, a country's uh, culture. And there was uh, four steps. There was re-education. There was a demoralization a crisis and then a normalization post-crisis. And uh, that process, this was something he discussed in the 1980s. And that process would take 20 to 30, maybe 35 years. Well, now with, with Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, you, you can warp um, a, societal's, uh, a society's sense of reality pretty, pretty quick. And, and we've seen that if you just have that censorship and you, you control the information, the flow of information, 
And in this country, we only have a handful of uh, corporations. I think we're down to four that control about 90% of our, our intake of information, our flow of information. So, yeah. Scary, mate. You know, we only have a certain amount of memory of how things were, were normal. So we have, you know, some youth right now that are, you know, above the age of four and five, where that's the age they actually can remember stuff. They're actually, so basically the whole rem- remembering life, they've known lockdowns. So they don't know what it's like, normal life behind that. Me and you, we haven't seen normal life in over a year at, at least. So to actually remember what it's like to, to be you know free to travel and to visit people and socialize, we have to think actually, it's, it's not just an, a non-effort brain process. We have to actually think and try and remember what it was like. And the longer this goes on, the more, uh, the less um, desiring or the less motivation we'll have to get back to what it's like because we're all we're starting to forget what it's like to be normal. So that is a process where time is not on our side. And that's why people like us can be sort of ridiculed on, on LinkedIn or called the conspiracy theories because we're trying to get ahead of the curve so that we can influence society to not just take all the stuff lying down, you know? Well, uh, definitely, definitely. It's, um, it's, it's a sad thing. And, and you mentioned uh, conspiracy conspiracy theorists. Yeah, I don't know how many times uh, I've been called that when I've brought up things that that happened, like things that, that are historical truths. And uh, I'll talk about a historical event. And it's just I'll make some comparisons. I'll draw some parallels between something that happened in the 1950s to now. And, oh, you're such a conspiracy theorist. I even had a, a close friend say that to me. And it, I found it so bizarre. It's like, no, this is yeah, a thing. anti that happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've had plenty of that. Like, oh, so you're not getting the shot. Oh, well, you're, you're, you're anti-vax. Like, no, no, actually, I, I think vaccines have their place. But don't you think it's strange that this took a year to be produced and you're just going to throw? I mean, I, I just think it's strange. I like to ask questions. I, I'm curious. I didn't yeah. think that was illegal. <laughs> I mean, look, there's been some good objections by like antibody dependent enhancement and other other topics that if a prime minister or a scientist would sit down in front of the people and answer them, you know, this is what I've been calling. I wrote for City AM and they published it, you know, why don't we have clear, you know, publications on, on these objections, you know, straight answers. We need straight answers. People are getting angry. You know, I'm getting angry. Lots of people are getting angry. Um, it would eliminate a whole bunch of citizenry anger if we just had more straight answers you know because this this is starting to boil this is this is people are on edge man when it made me you know i was talking to someone uh last week and i I just was curious like okay is the point to cause revolt because this is how you do it where you present one angle and then you just completely shut down the other side where you won't even acknowledge their their position or even give them a platform to speak from well, that invites that that antagonizes and, and, and invites revolt. Yeah. Um, so it's and it's so in your face and it's so insulting um, where you can bring up just some obvious things. Like, uh, for instance, I was curious, hey, you know, why is it we're not talking about nutrition, uh, diet and the immune system? Why is it that that's for whatever reason, we're just not even really going to discuss that? Absolutely. You know? 
and no, and uh, a large majority of people just like, oh, you're you're anti-vax, you're anti-science, you're anti like, no, I, I'm literally talking about actual science, like that that's science where we, we share ideas, we go back and forth, you know, we come to yeah. a a grand conclusion. So yeah, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I saw an American advert where they're talking about is your friend on Facebook who builds dollhouses is is she a doctor? You know, trust the doctors; they know more than you. <laughs> And that argument doesn't make any sense at all because anybody can basically read anything that's world-class. You know, maybe take them a bit longer to understand, but you can go on the internet and you can find out information for yourself, peer reviews. So this this whole thing about we know better and you trust us because of our qualifications is just total Bravo Sierra, you know? What's got really, really worries me, though, is that if there is a grand conspiracy New World Order, which I'm not saying 100% there is, but it's starting to look and smell like it, you know more and more then maybe it is maybe a revolt is planned maybe the division is planned maybe this this um this system has been designed that it can only produce um a great division and revolt and the people and then maybe that is the game plan so what is scary is that we have we're stuck between two bad options this continual infringement of our rights or this um um, revolt, which will then cause more uh, infringement of our rights. That's kind of scary thought, you know, that both paths were, 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 were have to choose one of them and both of them are not good. What is the, how, what is the fix for this? Well, and there's, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no easy answer. Um, but I'm quick to tell people that this, you know, violence is, is not the answer. Um, it, it's the, it's the easy approach. I mean, I mean, heck, even, even toddlers, if they don't get what they want, they'll hit mommy in the leg or they'll throw something because that's easy. That that type of aggression, rather than sitting down and, and, and being uh, methodical and, and actually thinking through the issues and looking at, at core issues, um, which is why, you know, uh, we had our uh, insurrection on uh, January the 6th at, at the Capitol. And I had when I was on Twitter before I was kicked off of Twitter. Um, I had a lot of friends like, hey, are you are you going to go and, and stop the steal? And they were shouting on all those wonderful wow. slogans. And I said, don't don't. And I encourage so many people do not go to this thing. Like, I guarantee you it's going to be chaotic and someone's probably going to die. Just just don't do it. And I I just turned I tuned out and then I was just plugging away. And someone texted me like, hey, did you, are you seeing this? And then I was seeing the video feeds of people just fighting and, and throwing things. And and it. It's like, I, I knew it. I knew it. Someone was going to throw a rock at a cop or fight someone, and then it's just going to turn to crap. And it works great for, for our Congress here in this country, because now there you go. You've got, you've got a problem. Manage the reaction through the media. And here's the solution. New legislation that infringes on more rights and liberties and that sort of thing. I think everybody who's concerned or not concerned should go, go to the History Channel. I'm not being paid for this, by the way. And watch as much documentaries on Hitler and his and his uh, henchmen as, as possible because I I spent hundreds of hours studying that stuff uh, in in London. I just I, I had a sort of strange obsession about it. I mean I don't know I don't know if it was very healthy at the time, but it's been very healthy and and really healthy. helped me to sort of see patterns that really really scare me a lot. You know, um, especially stuff about Garbles, you know, re- propaganda that really nasty man that was and, and very 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 well executed what he did it was um well hitler had it down to an exact science him and in his uh i'll call him his marketing staff 
Um, they had it down to exact science to the way his speeches were crafted, the times during the day which he gave his speeches. He had a specific window of time in the evening that he would shoot for the push to get radios in everyone's home. You know, and of course, now we've got, you know, 5G and laptops and you know, everything. In the end, so everyone has access to, to that, that information. Uh, so it's it's incredibly sad. I mean, but there's truly nothing new under the sun. Like if you just look at the events and you look at the things that happened, you know, in, in the 1950s, well, 1930s, 1950s, and even if you go back to World War One, you look at, you know, each one, there's there's just there's always a major event. Then there's some sort of push for propaganda. And then that propaganda permeates down to individual citizens. And then it just just runs from there. You know, it's the patterns are there. So if you look at the timelines, Hitler had about 20 years where he built up to uh, absolute ruler. Um, but if you look at our timelines, we have about a year since this pandemic started. But, you know, going into sort of conspiracy mode now, we don't know how long this thing was planned. You know, I should have a P or a C for saying this is conspiracy time, you know. <laughs> but uh, we don't know how long people have been preparing for this. You know, there's, you could sort of say, well, you know, Bill Gates talking about reducing the population by 15%. Um, that was a few years ago. <clears throat> We've got the Georgia Guidestones that were set up saying keep the world's population under 500 million. So, in a sense, you could argue that, yeah, it's only been a year, but it's not been that. It's been actually been longer. This is just the execution of it, like, for example, Hitler's execution of the Kristallnacht um, and, um, you know, yeah, taking out his oppositions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's it's incredibly sad. Um, and it's just the, the, the lack of uh, curiosity um, when you when you when you present this information, you ask these questions and it, and you just, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm not telling you what to do. I, I give some recommendations um, and I try to encourage people just just to, to ask questions, you know, do your own research, ask questions and, and listen. Um, but we've been so in this country, we've been so uh, lazy and incurious for decades. Um, we're talking, you know, 60, 70, 80 years of just continuous, unchallenging compliance to just whatever rolls out and we just accept it. Uh, to the point now where the system has a lot of built-in controls, where you'll have people, you know, attacking the individuals that do ask those questions. You know, it's 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 a crazy thing. It's a almost predictable thing, um, but still somewhat surprising. Just the scale. Yeah, people are just getting worn down. People that are people people have been protesting in the UK and. Uh, People are saying now, what's the point? You know, we, we don't, nothing changes. We, we, we protest and the media makes us look stupid. And, um, you know, look at look at what, how Ukraine was, they had a, they basically had a camp, and, but they were, you know, there's also conspiracy theories around that. And I won't really go into it, but honestly, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think we can do anything. I think, I think this thing, thing is on the, as human beings, I don't think we can, we can stop this. And, and now, I'm, now I'm just telling basically the only thing that can save us is God. Well, you know, it's a lot of people are, you know, still hopeful. And and I'd have to say I'm not I wouldn't exactly say I'm, I'm hopeful in the sense that just everything's going to drastically change. I'm hopeful in the sense that, you know, I believe this will this will force people to make a decision. Um, because we we've been sitting around for so long, just sort of uh, being indifferent to a lot 
profits and just doing, you know, just nothing, just sort of coasting. Um, but this will put us in a position where it's either, you know, we, 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 we stand up for, for what we believe in and, and we take a, a firm position. We stand firmly on our principles or we just forfeit it all. We forfeit our, our agency, our sense of responsibility, duty uh, of being a citizen. And we just hand it over to someone else. So we let them write our story for us and it won't be a very pleasant story. Um, but at least it'll force people to do something to make some sort of choice. And I, you know, I'm sorry, that's not very, that's not a, you know, sunshine or, or a happy, a happy uh, analysis, but I, I think it'll, it could lead us to, to, to something better. Yeah. Potential. There's potential. Yeah. Do you mind if I say a little prayer? No, sure. I mean, I, myself, I'm not, I'm, I've been, I've been a bit of an agnostic uh, for a very long time and uh, I was raised as a Christian. Um, but it's one of those things where I, I understand the importance of religion in society. And of course, I, I respect the uh, others in, in, their, in their beliefs. So, hey, I've, I've got no problem with that. Okay. Dear Father, I pray for Sir Thomas. I pray that you'd help him in his, his mission and task and words that you just, he says. I'll ask you to protect him and give him wisdom and um, help him to understand your ways, Father, in heaven. Also, Father, I pray for just humanity in general. I just pray that you would teach us as every individual to, to know your ways and to, to come close to you to escape this um, potential horrible tyranny that's coming on mankind. And I pray that you'd put into the hearts of freedom-loving men and women, children, to stand up for what is right and righteousness, that we would not fall into this whole new world order agenda, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. I, 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 tell, I've, I like to pray because I find that, you know, I could spend, instead of spending six or seven hours just trying to go through all the psychological possibilities and all this stuff, and even when I'm trying to, I'm talking to like atheists and stuff like that, that I don't have to basically um, prove anything. I believe that God has power and, and prayer changes things. You know, the, the Bible is full of, you know, promises of what prayer is. And um, the last thing we ever do is go to prayer. We just expect the government to sort it out. Well, the government is not sorting it out. So maybe we should go back to basics, you know? Well, I, I certainly don't want, um, I, I don't want uh, government to become the, the, the new God. I definitely, I definitely don't want that or the new religion or COVID or, the Covidian faith to become the, the dominant uh, faith. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so Thomas, this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I'm not sure what we've accomplished. We've accomplished something that hopefully somebody can cheer onto and, and look back at and say, think maybe we've changed some, maybe we've changed some thoughts that will try and stand up for human freedoms, you know? Sparking curiosity. That's, that's, that's my hope. Anything you you want to you want to leave us with? No, I, I just want to say you know th thanks for having me. Um, uh, anyone out there, uh, if if you'd like to to check me out, uh, I've got Snell Nation on on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I'm not a hard man to find. Um, and if you'd like to have a conversation, I love talking uh, just about anything. So uh, just that that's that's my little that's my plug. So th thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, and you got to definitely follow Sir Thomas on LinkedIn. He is the meme master. I don't know how he gets away with what he posts on LinkedIn. I don't know how he does it. 
But uh, I think framing, just, framing. I think he just posts pictures. That's what it is. I, I do text, so I've I've been I've been thrown off once. Have you been thrown off LinkedIn before? No, I <laughs> I get the occasional warning. Is what I Bro, get, man. and um, I've been able to dispute quite a few things, even on uh, Facebook. I've gotten pretty good about disputing and winning some of the disputes and having things reposted. So, yeah, I've been in a good groove. Knock on wood. Okay, well. I'll see you around soon, and we'll, we'll be in touch. And um, we'll, uh, we're, we're what I'm watching Europe uh, amongst you know with a thousand other people. You're watching America with a thousand other people, and uh, at least it's not going to be boring. Play, <laughs> we will not be bored. Yeah, this this will be a decade that'll be studied uh, for many years to come. Okay, so Thomas, thanks for coming and talking to me, and thanks for everybody who's watching this show here today. And we'll see you again shortly. Bye-bye.